Hi, this is Companies on Cannabis. I'm your host, Chris. This is a podcast where each episode, Sean and I discuss a business that is in the news and provide a case study on a challenge it's currently facing while one or both of us responsibly enjoy cannabis. This week, we discuss Tesla and its co-founder and CEO, Elon Musk. From Tesla's products to the cult of Elon Musk, we try to understand the company and why it's always in the news. As you listen, please keep in mind this call is recorded on Zoom. Thanks for listening. This is Tesla on Cannabis. Hola, how's it going? What's up, Broby McGuire? How you doing? I'm good. It's been a been a good couple of weeks. So yeah, it's that time again. Um, it seems like just yesterday that we did our last podcast, but I guess it's just that's the pace of life as we head into December. Yeah. Where life goes, things start picking up coming into the holidays, even in yeah. a time like this. So it's um, yeah, no. yeah, it feels like it's hard to find time to do these. That's exactly it. Um, but have you seen what's going on with Tesla? They've been all over the place. Well, I guess when I say they've been all over the place, I guess that's also on the timeline continuum, you know? Um, like if you want to go all the way back to when those boys were in the, the cave in Thailand or whatever, and Viet, or yeah, it was Thailand that had the, the boys lock, locked in the cave and Elon Musk was making his comments. Tesla was in the news even back then. So I guess this really is kind of like, uh, okay, I think to talk about Tesla, we need a little bit of the backstory because Elon Musk is just such a character and his personality plays so much into the fate of the company, you know? Oh, definitely. From my understanding, I think so many people love Tesla and love the stuff that Elon works on because it's Elon. Yeah, definitely. So you're kind of more of the tech person out of the two of us. So do you want to talk a little bit about what Tesla's products actually are and what their impact is? Because I think you have a little bit more insight into what they offer than I do, simply because I'm only ever going to understand this from a consumer standpoint, whereas you might actually get a little bit about what goes behind the product development and, and what that competition landscape looks like. What are your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess Tesla has a few different things. Obviously, the biggest consumer product that they have is their electric vehicles. So that's the thing that's probably making them the most money. It's the thing that everyone's excited about, just new electric cars. Well, I, I know automation is a big part of what they're trying to do. Like they're trying to to do the self-driving cars through like automated software. Um, right. And that's cool and everything. And then I know they're also doing the electric vehicle lineup, which, you know, that in its own right is a cool product. Um, right. And, and I know I they're think- branching out into new product categories. Like they're trying to, to develop a truck now that's you know that's kind of my understanding as a, as a dude who reads the news in layman's terms you know i don't know if you've got any anything else to unpack there or whether the news is doing a half decent job with covering their kind of their exploits right um i think you mentioned a few good things and just to expand on them in the car technology it's also like battery technology so i think they have like home batteries that you can buy to essentially power your house and um they're just improving battery technology so that their cars can go further and yeah, get more mileage out of a single charge and improve the just how batteries are working these days, as well as for automation, yeah, the self-driving technology, having a car that you don't actually need to control. So right now I think they're getting pretty pretty decent at the automated driving with uh, highways and even a little bit in cities, it can't necessarily do every turn or uh, or do like everything that you need it to. But yeah, stopping at lights, stopping behind cars 
if you're on the highway, it can do stop and go traffic if it's traffic jam or even cruising at 100, 110 kilometers an hour. So yeah, they're definitely doing a lot of cool stuff in, in that field. Okay. So, okay. So definitely, I mean, it sounds like there's value behind what this company is doing. So it makes sense that their stock would be worth something. Let's get into wh- where their stock is at right now and how it got there. Their stock is worth more. And, I, and again, maybe this article's a week or whatever old. Uh, but when I last read it, it was saying that their stock is worth more than most of their competitors in the auto sector combined when you look at the market cap evaluation. Like yeah, we're talking Ford, GM, Fiat Chrysler, Volkswagen, Toyota combined. <laughs> What's up with that? Like as a tech person who like understands basic, you know, financial economics, does that evaluation make any sense to you? Or where do you think that's coming from? Is that the cult of Elon Musk or is I, there some? I was going to say that, that I think it's mostly the cult of Elon Musk. Like, of course, I love Tesla. I love the idea of it. And I think everything that they're doing is just something that we should be kind of proud and excited about. However, they don't make nearly as many sales as any of these car companies. Uh, So the fact that they would be worth more than pretty much all of them combined just seems crazy to me. And I, I think it's a lot of kind of hype, a lot of people who want to invest in tech and tech is cool. So these other car companies, they're just cars, but Tesla is like this sleek futuristic tech company. And that's, so, I think, what's driving the price to be so high. I, I definitely agree with everything you just said. That, that, that all makes sense to me. One interesting thing that I, I think is kind of, it, it's, it reminds me of the Trump popularity, where it's like, wait a minute, this guy's still popular, even though is, I, I think it's important we point out a couple of the negative po- 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 like points of Elon Musk for a second, because everything you said is true. But there is that backdrop, you know, like recently in the news, Elon Musk decided to sue his county and I think also the state government for their COVID protection laws, because Mm -hmm. it's preventing him from having his staff be able to go to work. And he's been tweeting how he's going to take his business to operate it in in other states, I believe Nevada and Texas, instead of California, because of his displeasure. He's been very vocal about I think the lockdowns in California and how they're stopping him from doing business as well as I'm sure other, he's kind of looking out maybe for other businesses and saying, we can't just stop. We can't stop making stuff. Um, and we need to be open to some degree so that people can have a livelihood and uh, that the world doesn't stop all at once. So definitely, again, all valid points. And I'm sure Elon Musk would be very pleased that you've you know levied those points on his behalf. But all the same, I think the way that he did it was, was I think it, most people would agree in poor taste. Like he's, everyone says how horrible Trump is and how he's unprofessional and how he's, you know, kind of blunt. And, and then you've got Elon Musk on Twitter doing the same thing from, you know, from his own perspective. And it's like, oh gosh, darn it. Is this going to be the way of the future for not just our political leaders, but our business leaders? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of crazy, too, when you think about it, because Elon Musk, like, sure, he's tweeted stuff like that. Uh, you brought up the uh, the kids trapped in Thailand uh, and the person who's going to save them. Like, he tweets that this guy's probably a pedo. And if it's like a joke, it's a joke. But uh, 
these things have like real world impacts on Tesla stock price. <laughs> and, and, and again, that like, I, 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 I love that people are critical of Trump because I really don't like Trump and I'm no, I'm, I, I don't hide that. But at the same time, I just think it's important that people are consistent with how they're critical of their, of their community and of their leaders. And people got so upset with Trump when he made his grab her by the pussy comments, you know, which was a while back, obviously. And, and I get that. That's horrible. And he shouldn't have said that. And, and I think he got off kind of easy. But you look at Elon Musk's comments about the, the heroes that went into the, for the scuba diving to, to get those kids out of the cave. Him calling them pedos, like that's honestly like equally absurd and offensive to so many important groups of, of people, you know, mm-hmm. like both of those. And, and I say this with a, a dark, you know, sense of humor in it at this point, because some time has passed on both instances. But it's just like, man, like both of those comments are just absurd. How are these people like public figures when they're just throwing these things out there on Twitter, like without any understanding of the deep ripples of, of the significance of their comments? Definitely. And yeah, the fact that it happens fairly often and for Tesla the fact that that then affects the company in some degree uh, is just, yeah, it kind of makes you question like, okay, what, what's going on here? And is it, why is he kind of doing this? To what degree do you think it's him just be living his life and being careless and not understanding the social dynamics and expectations of him? Or, or is there a, a, another degree where he's making calculated decisions to manipulate the stock price, stock prices with motivation for X, Y, or Z purpose? Uh, I'm not too sure. When I, I think there was one time where he actually tweeted about the stock price. He's like, Tesla is like way too high right now. I think that was what he was saying. And then obviously like it was, it went down a bit, but that one obviously seems much more manipulative. The others, I can definitely see it being, oh, I'm just like a regular guy. I'm using Twitter. I'm just tweeting stuff out and not, yeah, being fairly careless, but uh, maybe you think a bit differently than me on that. I almost wonder if Tesla's got like some sort of weird Keynesian economics mindset in the back of his head because he's not a traditional business person. He's more of, of a passionate innovator, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure he cares about being successful on the business side as well, but I'm sure first and foremost, it's insofar as he needs to continue to have a business to innovate, you know? So um, I, I really wonder, like, if he knows his stock price is like grossly, you know, inflated based on sort of like a, I don't know if you've ever heard of like a Veblen good. Um, it's I like have, a, but yeah, maybe you should describe it a bit more for, for others. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a term for like a, a product that, uh, that is often luxury items that's just like ridiculously inflated because of the perception of the, of, of the goods value. So think of like a piece of art. It could be made with like $9 of art supplies potentially. But if it's the Mona Lisa and everyone values it for, for its, its place in history, then you're not going to charge $9 for that. You're going to charge thousands and thousands of dollars because of that unique kind of public perception of its value, right? True. Or like I, if we're talking about kind of cars with Tesla, uh, things like a Ferrari or Maserati, it's kind of like, oh, they're expensive because they're luxury and they're meant to be. And that's what makes people kind of want them, right? Exactly. Like that's, that's exactly it. 
and I'm sure to, to like Veblen goods are kind of on, a bit on a spectrum as well, where, you know, maybe there are some quality things that are superior about these products that make them better, but we have to ask to what degree and to what degree is it truly just our perception as consumers manipulating the demand and the supply relationship, right? So like, for example, something I'm passionate about is rain jackets. Arcteryx makes awesome, awesome, awesome rain jackets, but they're like five times the price of a lot of other great rain jackets, right? So okay. at, at a certain point, like, is this rain jacket going to perform better? Yes, it's, it's probably the best on the market, but is it five times better or has demand been driven up because people like wearing it as a fashion statement, you know? as a status symbol. Okay. And that's, that's kind of how I see a lot of kind of Veblen goods. And I look at Tesla as a stock and I look at how the 20th or how 2020 and just the world is these days. And I can't help but wonder how many people just like being able to say they hold Tesla stock and how it's a trendy thing to, to, to do. Uh, and, and again, the perception of the, of the value is not matching up the business potential. And I think ultimately that could just be Musk deciding, Hey, uh, if instead of having my stock go through these volatile cycles, I'm just going to be straight up with people and hopefully it levels out. I wonder if that's at all on his mind, you know? Yeah. I wonder that it could be a factor, I guess. Um, and yeah, why, why would he do it? I guess, compared to other companies that might also see a similar kind of skyrocket in price obviously i think in the past few months we've seen tons of stocks kind of go up that are maybe more of these so-called growth stocks um the ones that just the value doesn't seem to come down ever but yeah is it just elon's that type of personality where he's like sure i'll do whatever because i just want to keep doing cool stuff and like typically in business i know you you always want to have your your market cap as high as possible like that, that I know like in business school, at least in the early classes that I took, they pretty much taught you like, yeah, you want to maximize your market cap. Like having your company be evaluated well is generally going to be a good thing. But it's just, it's like, huh, is there that kind of quirky side of Elon Musk that also just knows that, that his company will be fine either way? And he would rather just deal with the instability sooner rather than later, you know? Yeah, you might be onto something there. Just because again, like, those things are kind of his decision because he is such a leader within the company and with him being such a critical part of the company, it's like, yeah, if that's what he wants to do, like he's going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, <coughs> I did hear recently that Tesla is planning to come onto the S and P market. Yeah. So what's weird about that is I don't have like a full understanding of the nuances of how that process works. But generally, I understand that it's it's just, again, they evaluate market cap. And as certain companies grow and other companies stay stagnant or shrink, companies are, are delisted and removed or they, or they get listed. Um, so it's kind of like upgrading from different exchanges. And the S&P is kind of like the, the creme de la creme, you know? Yeah. For it, from what I'm reading, it sounds like you have to have a market cap of $8.2 You have to be highly liquid. I'm sure they have a metric for that. But um, mm. and yeah, fifty percent of shares need to be available to the public. So yeah, I guess it's just like a if you want to be listed on it, you need to show that you meet these requirements. And then if that's the case, then yeah, I guess you can be on that on that index. I, again, like, is that something that was just jet? Because like, in 
early business classes in university, they're going to tell you like, yes, that's desirable. You want a large market cap. You want the, the best publicity for the company possible. You want to be on the big boys team. You know, you want to play in the big leagues. Uh, but now again, reflecting on my understanding of Elon Musk as a quirky person, it's like, huh, like, is that, is that what he wants? Or is that just what the company wants to be listed? Because there was talk of them being listed sooner than they actually ended up getting um, listed. You know, they, they probably could have been listed earlier. Mm. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, I guess. Yeah. It could be one of those prestige things. And maybe it goes back to that being like a Veblen good. If you're on the SNP, you might be seen as more desirable for that well, type of I company. Think, I think what I'm more saying is like previously they pro- like they probably could have been listed sooner. And previously in the past, Elon Musk has probably held more power and control and even influence over the company as per ownership, right? And over time he's sold off parts of the company and it's become more of like a publicly owned company. So for business purposes, for the public, for the generation of profit for the public shareholders, it probably would be in the most, you know, in the best interest of the company to to get listed. But for Elon Musk, as the quirky innovator leader of the company, he may not have wanted it to get listed because he knows that the market cap is so inflated. And that may have, I wonder if maybe that may have been a cause in the slight delay in it getting listed or, or what, or whether it's just other nuances that I'm not seeing, you know? Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Cause it, cause it seems like he's starting to work more and more in like partnership with others in the company as the company. And as he personally takes on other challenges in life, you know, like, right. Well, he has other companies that he's <clears throat> working on with like the boring company trying to drill holes under California, under yeah. LA. And then, SpaceX is a big one with Starlink and all these missions for uh, like pairing up with NASA and shipping stuff to ISS. And him becoming a father, you know, like also like that's (laughs) like a big challenge in in life for him. And it's like, huh, all those things are going to eat up time. So I'm sure that was part of his decision to sell off chunks of his company, Tesla, you know, is like, hey, it made financial sense for him. Like he's now what the second richest person ish in the world. So it's like, okay, like, his plan clearly has made sense for him. And it also allows him to phase out of Tesla towards other projects. So is, is it getting listed part of that kind of process? I wonder, you know, it could be. Cause I, I think recently he's also spoken about wanting to almost downsize in a way where he's realizing that like the physical stuff, kind of this material good, he sort of talked in that way with like, yeah, the materials that we have, I can't necessarily take with me. I don't necessarily need them long-term. Why do I really have this house? And he's kind of sold off some assets. And I'm not sure if that's part of like his maybe idea of like getting to Mars or something and he can't bring all that stuff with him. Or (laughs) if there's some other, maybe he doesn't actually think he'll ever be on Mars, but uh, if it has to do with that or if it's just, yeah, if he's going to be on the S&P, it's going to be a more public company. He doesn't need all this stuff because he's rich enough, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think the other cool thing that is, is worth pointing out, like kind of why we're talking about, uh, about this side of it is, is looking at a, a parallel case study like Apple, right? Because Apple was also someone that had kind of become both as a stock and as a, as a business, a bit of like a Veblen good where there were ebbs and flows, you know, like there were periods where they 
literally were generating massive profits, kind of like how recently with Tesla, they've done like what, five quarters in a row of, of, of profitability. Yeah, they've, they've um, definitely turned but, it around in the past year or so, or not yeah. turned around, but yeah, you've seen the growth that they're hoping for in the past year. Yeah. Whereas like Apple had those big surges and streaks, but Apple also had those really big lows, especially in their R&D stages, which I think would be similar to Tesla. And you look at Apple where it became at one point a superior product and service, but at another point, also just the fashionable kind of Veblen good. And when they lost Steve Jobs, again, I'm not, maybe we could do a whole other podcast thing on Apple, but ultimately it's like, well, when they lost Steve Jobs, the business did change. And you look at Tesla and I can't help but wonder looking forward, okay, this company has this absolutely ridiculous, absolutely enormous market cap evaluation. It looks to me like Elon Musk is probably going to become less and less involved over time with this particular project. So is there insights with, with kind of that Veblen good concept? And is there insights with someone like Apple and as that, as that parallel? parallel case study. That's a really interesting parallel that you draw, I think. Because, uh, yeah, if tomorrow we woke up and Elon was like, you know what? I'm stepping down from Tesla. I'm leaving it to whoever would be the next person in charge that he picks. Like the volatility that you would see in the stock in the stock price, like, I think it would drop like crazy. People wouldn't know what to do. And um, yeah, you would definitely see a huge change in definitely its evaluation. And potentially in the direction that the, the company goes. But um, yeah, I think that'd be maybe like a decent metric to, to look at it. Like if your leader is the one that's leaving, is it going to be in good hands without that person? And um, yeah, I guess yeah. Like looking at the price that way. And also looking at it, not just from a business perspective, but also from a consumer perspective, because maybe from a business perspective, maybe with Elon Musk phasing himself out or, or, or changing his relationship and his role in the company, maybe they actually do become more profitable for the shareholders over time. But that also might end up meaning that they invest way less time and energy into batteries for homes and a lot more time into like luxury trucks. You know, like those, I think those decisions are going to be influenced by all these factors that we've been talking about as well. Um, and, and normally with, with a company, you kind of would just shrug your shoulders and say, well, yeah, like that's business. These are all factors of every business. But in this case, it's like, no, like you don't understand like this, this company has a market cap evaluation larger than a lot of countries' economies. We shouldn't just shrug our shoulders and be like, no, like it's just business. Like we need, yeah. we need to understand this, I think, you know? And, and it's, I think, the disproportionate weight of certain factors, right? Because obviously... You can say if any CEO were to step down, you see volatility in the stock price. But if Tim Cook steps down from Apple, then would the stock price change as much as if Elon Musk steps down from Tesla? Or uh, I think Disney has a new CEO right now, but if he stepped down, right? Like, yeah, do you see the same percentage change, the same volatility, or is it something that is directly related and like disproportionately affecting the stock price? You could probably do like a master's thesis on that actually in particular. Like you could probably look at like the the top like 500, like you could specifically actually look at the S&P 500 now that we're thinking about it. And you can literally like try to identify, hey, on the S&P 500, which companies at which points in time had what we would consider iconic leaders. And when, they, and when those iconic leaders left versus a, a quote-unquote traditional changeover, 
what is the percent difference in stock value? And you could probably do a cool little analysis on that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to learn. Uh, obviously, we aren't experts on trading or anything, and we're not saying that uh, we aren't necessarily saying like, don't buy Tesla, it's overvalued. Because at the same time, with Elon in the chair, maybe there is like a, a route where it's going to end up becoming like worth its valuation. And no, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely down to say don't buy Tesla, it's not worth it. Because even with the other markets, because I think that's the important thing to talk about, is that the domestic market's probably not where the real money is, right? And even with considering other markets, there's just no way they're worth more than all of their competitors combined, you know? True. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's like they could be in good hands. And once he gets to a point where he's like actually stepping down, whether that's 10, 20 years in the future, he could have like a good leadership person in mind who's going to like take over and still run the company in a good way and uh but yeah i guess um the, the fact that it's so much more than everything combined is um all the competitors combined is crazy right now it just doesn't quite make sense but alas i don't know i it's just weird to me because like i think clearly there's there's some important markets with like if they're if you look at the products and services that they offer the the most important markets are not the European and the North American markets. The most important markets are actually in the developing world because a lot of like the, the patents and a lot of the, the battery technology that they have, I think is going to be a really important part of any Green New Deal. So that's going to be awesome. And, and that'll be very profitable for their company, I'm sure. Um, and, then, uh, and then on the automotive side, you look at growing economies like China, Russia, India, Brazil, um, you know, South Africa, and there's definitely a demand for a luxury car and a luxury truck market in those countries. And those countries also, some of them specifically Asian countries are ahead on accepting automotive or automated uh, vehicles. So it's like, oh, like if you were to unlock a billion people as consumers for automotive automated, you know, Tesla Ubers or something like that would be insane. Right. Well, yeah, I know that when Elon Musk was tweeting about uh, opening like the factories in California, one of his reasons was, oh, well, we have a factory in China that is working and uh, it's been open and we've learned to, like how to deal with the uh, coronavirus through there. And so we can take our learnings and apply it to our factory here. And um, so it seems like, yeah, they're definitely placed there, positioned there for growth. And yeah, you talk about automation uh, in Shenzhen, there's a company AutoX that has been granted, I guess, the ability to drive like fully autonomous cars in, in the city. I think they have like a fleet of 25 cars that they're going to be testing out that will eventually be like auto taxis. So yeah, both of those fields, um, battery power and automated cars are kind of growing in that market as well. Do we know who actually owns AutoTech or AutoX? Like, are they their own company or are they a subsidiary of Wonder? So I believe it's a... It was funded by Alibaba, like that company invested in them. And there's a, like a Chinese owner. I don't really like know how to pronounce his name. I kind of forget at the moment, but uh, he's obviously the guy in charge. I think he went to Stanford for a bit, if I'm not mistaken. I think you touched on the important part, which is the Alibaba connection, just because I, I, I think that's the really important thing when we, when we look back years from now and we're like, that's so weird. How come this technology was allowed in China, but that technology wasn't? 
it's all about the ability to get those, those relationships established. And that's something that Tesla has secured already, right? By having, or, or, or not Tesla, sorry, that so some of these companies have secured already. And I think that it's one of those things where once you open Pandora's box, if one company is allowed in, there's a lot of room for growth across the board. So Elon Musk's working on those relationships and there's a reason for it, you know? Definitely. And, and AutoX obviously has that, that uh, you know, step ahead in the game, but uh, I don't think that's anything that could, uh, you know, could not be overcome, especially by something that we've kind of considered a Veblen good in some ways, you know? Yeah. When those Teslas hit the streets in China, I think ultimately the, there's going to be kind of the same effect that we saw with Apple computers in Asian markets, you know, where it's just fashionable. Oh, for sure. Uh, without getting like too off topic, uh, you mentioned the connections are important. And I did hear in the news recently that Jack Ma, who I believe is the owner, like CEO of Alibaba, he like did get in trouble with uh, the Chinese government. He was. He said something that I guess was a bit too out of line, and um, so I'm not sure if that would affect AutoX and autonomous driving if it trickles down that far. But uh, oh. yeah, it definitely shows that you have to be careful in some of those areas too with how you how you tread on those relationships and those connections you have. That's neat. I actually I'd not heard that, so that's really neat to point out. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of I think that's kind of the thing that we need to think about with China and other markets like it is that there's a ton of room of growth for everyone. Some places already have some, some companies kind of starting the process, which, yeah, gives them a bit of an advantage. But ultimately, it's a good thing because it means that when Tesla products are ready to go, they're going to be the best. They're going to be seen as a premium brand. And most importantly, the regulatory barriers have already been broken by someone else. So I'm sure Tesla is cheering on AutoX. And uh, I'm sure Elon Musk is that they'll, confident that they'll catch them after when their time comes, but uh, exciting times to think that like the movie iRobot maybe isn't going to be totally wrong after all, when it comes to the super cool Audis that we grew up seeing on TV with Will Smith, (laughs) no, no driver. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, A lot of that sci-fi finally seems to be kind of coming true. And like, I think that is in part because of like Elon Musk. If you think of him as like this cult leader, um, part of what he's preaching is, kind of this futuristic sci-fi world his um his ventures in spacex like the design is sleek it it looks like something you'd see from a sci-fi movie in maybe the early 2000s um and he just has that vision so can we quickly talk about the possibility and i'm just i'm only planting this seed out there just to see where where it gets carried in the wind of the internet you know but what if elon musk was an alien amongst us. And that's and he's just like this genius who's just like as he sees fit sharing cool alien technology genius secrets with us. So maybe he's a Martian like wanting to get home to Mars. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying because when you look at his like educational record you're like, "Oh, I'm sure there's a perfectly perfectly good explanation for why he's moved around and all this." But also, like, what? Like, why did you move around and why is your name that? And like, where did you come from? Like you just kind of came out of nowhere as a super genius when you were like in your teens. All right. Like I'll just trust you're not an alien, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting to me, I guess. So he comes from South Africa. I think he's an electrical engineer and he was 
part or maybe a mechanical engineer that would make more sense with cars but um then was somehow involved with like paypal early on and that's where he kind of got a lot of the a lot of his kind of wealth early on and yeah then just like pivots to making cool electric cars and stuff so and also just like has like a a, a, an awesome relationship with a super artistic person so it's like, wait a minute, this guy who's like all about business and efficiency and getting to Mars clearly like understands and accepts and values the arts because he's with an artist. And, uh, and, and on the flip side of it also, he's like a very quirky person that you kind of are drawn to, but also pushed away from because some of his comments are just so genuine that you're rooting for him in the sense that he's an everyman and that he's just himself. And then on, on other times, you're like, oh, my God, this guy is so cringeworthy. Why the fuck would he say that? You know? So, I mean, like, what are your thoughts? Am I, am I wrong about him? Like, I think, no, that analysis is pretty spot on, right? He does seem to care about the arts. He does just seem like an everyman. And I think that's where we have to position him, right? We can't, as much as he's a visionary, we can't look at him like, yeah, this God, this um this godlike super being of oh my goodness he's gonna like carry us into the future it's more oh, okay he's like a visionary human he makes mistakes he he does silly things occasionally but at the same time he seems to have an idea of what he wants and if we all like that picture then maybe it's something we can hope that he achieves right last thing i'll say about elon musk and tesla for today because uh i think Ultimately, this is one of those stories that we just have to accept that like it's going to continue to evolve in ways that we just can never predict or even understand. So last thing I'll say about it is there's a show I want to say was on Netflix called Salvation. And obviously, like, I I want you to watch it and, and, you know, over over time, like, give me your thoughts on it. It kind of gets a little bit crazy and, and not as good in season two. But in season one, all I could think about was oh my God, this show is just blatantly based on Elon Musk. Like, I I just couldn't help but think that, you know? So uh, the, the whole in, premise... Was that like in a good light, in a bad light, in a fair light? Well, the whole premise is that Earth uh, Earth is going to have a major, major catastrophic event um, and only a few people, you know, kind of have a, a good enough mathematic and, and uh, scientific understanding to, to, to really look into this issue and try to solve it for our planet. And, and the, the main character is kind of an Elon Musk like figure. So when I was watching the show, I just couldn't help but think, Oh man, like this whole show feels like it's inspired by like inspired by Elon Musk or at very least like a Steve jobs character, you know? And I just think that when you have kind of, pop culture products reflective of not just celebrity, you know, icons or political icons, but tech CEO icons. That's kind of a cool statement on where our culture is at and and what we're valuing. So kind of cool to reflect on that. I don't know, just my stoner rant for the day. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess it's just the new, new way of uh, commenting on real life people. I'm, I know, uh, a movie came out on Netflix called Mank, which was about the writing of Citizen Kane, which was based off of a news mogul uh, of Charles Foster Kane was essentially a stand-in for um, another guy who I forget his name right now, but it kind of shows his importance in the long, long-term long uh, outlook of things. But yeah, nowadays we just 
yeah, make movies and TV shows about tech, tech moguls and crazy. I mean, CEOs. it's, it's kind of nice to see us valuing that more than just uh, sports icons though, ultimately. So I think that's a big win that we can consider for society. Uh, we're not just valuing someone who, you know, can throw the football the longest. We're valuing people who are like inventing products that society's benefiting from. It's like, Oh, yeah. Okay, we're, we've stepped beyond entertainment. Okay. Someone creating like actual assets and wealth, I guess, for, for people. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm more focused on the qualitative part of it, not just the wealth. Like the wealth is awesome and that's wonderful. But like, look at the qualitative benefits of like the internet and all of the products and services that it offers. And it's like, oh, who cares about the wealth? Like just, you know, like, yeah, True. it's created enormous pockets of wealth for certain parts of the world. Like, Yes, California's benefited from being the software hub and all of the wealth collects there on that side. And yes, China's benefited from being the hardware hardware hub and a lot of wealth is collected there on that side. But for everyone else, maybe we haven't really gained a ton of wealth, but we've still benefited as consumers, right? So true. I guess that's yeah, maybe what I meant with uh, like quality of life kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Internal wealth or whatever you want to refer to it as. <laughs> Yeah, well, in Bhutan, call it happiness. <laughs> uh, yeah, All right. as long as we're kind of headed that trajectory, then I think we're good. Yeah. Anyways, I should get going. It's getting pretty late here. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And yeah, you have a good one. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.